somehow you've stumbled in here yet again to the Foxfire Farmhouse. Come if in this from is the cold, <laughs> have a seat. Have a seat and let us tell you a terrible, terrible tale. Here's a warm <laughs> cup of cocoa for you to warm your bones. <laughs> I'm Josh yeah. Bartels, one of the proprietors here of this establishment, mm-hmm. joined by uh, Elijah Heyman over there stoking the fire for mm-hmm. you. We don't just uh, tell you to be warmed. No, we actually warm you. We actually warm you. And we would actually, we actually bring you drink. Bring you drink and blanket. Of course, we do none of these because this is a podcast and you're not here in our cozy farmhouse. Yes. Uh, But if you ever do get the chance to drop by, please do. Yes, if you can find out where we're at. (laughs) (laughs) And if you do find it, we please don't. We're not really inviting you to come. No, we're going to cut it out of the podcast if you stumble in. Anyway, if you have stumbled in here and you don't know where you are, this is a podcast where we talk about movies, and uh, we usually don't introduce the podcast saying anything about what the podcast is. We just jump right into it, but this time, we're going to say that this is a podcast about movies, digital storytelling, or storytelling Mm -hmm. with digital media. Anyway, we don't have a real clear tagline other than the podcast, so... Digging into movies with yeah, I don't know Christian well, worldview. So yeah, so welcome, <laughs> welcome to uh, the the farmhouse, and we're glad you're here. Yeah, and uh, we're going to be talking about a movie called Beyond the Mask, a Christian film, and uh, we're going to be trying to take a look at it from through the lens of some of what we talked about a few episodes ago uh, regarding Christian movies. And so we're going to get to that here in just a minute. But before we do, we like to give our listeners something that we've been enjoying oh, and yeah. uh, recommend it to them. So, Elijah, what's what have you been enjoying over there uh, on your stool by the fire? Oh, uh, I've been enjoying something that fits that that theme, that tone hmm. that you've just painted with your yeah. words. Um, uh my favorite movie of all time, I'm just going to give you a quick little thing. My favorite movie of all time is uh, the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice. Oh. Great film. Nothing I, I've watched has, has topped it in my sincerity of appreciation for it. But uh, this one's came pretty close. It's in the same vein, Little Women. It's uh, not the old one. A lot of us have seen the, the first one. Uh, uh, but there's, there's, a, there's a new one. Um, it was made in 2019, I believe. Um, it has uh, Emma, Emma Thompson in it. Uh, Emma Thompson. Emma Watson. Emma Watson. One of the Emmas. Um, it has... Uh, Her na- I don't Seer- know how to say it. I think it's Searsh. Searsh? Ronan? Searsh, Ronan, whatever. She's she's an Irish actress. Um, and it has a couple other people in there. It has a sister from Black Widow. Um, anyway, it's it also got Timothy Calamay from... Uh, uh, Dune. Dune. Well, of Dune, Dune fame. fame. Yes. Um, and it's just a delightful movie and, really uh, you would expect it being made in 2019 to be a, like a feminist manifesto. Um, but it's actually a very, uh, very beautiful story. And it has four, like my wife said, and I, I agree with it. It has four intermingling, uh, love stories and it handles them all very well. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just really, a really delightful story. It has moments where you cry, obviously it has moments where you're laughing cause it's funny, um, the sisters act like sisters. It's four sisters. Um, I won't go too much into the story cause I think most people have know about little women, but, um, yeah, it's, it's just a story about four sisters and their lives growing up and the ways that they go and how it ends up different from kind of their childhood imaginations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, a wonderful take on the tale. Yeah. Like it, it really was. Yeah. Splendid. It's really good. And they go in and compared to the other one, they go into other sisters a bit more cause the first one's really about Joe 
Uh, Joe is a writer and she uh, is very strong willed and doesn't want to get married. Um, but in the end, she finds uh, finds somebody and she chooses to love them. And she, it doesn't look the way like this ama- amazing romantic tale like she's always believed it would. But it's really good. It it it, it hits that uh, that eye in the pie in the sky romance and hits it with some pretty good reality. Um, and it does a good job of telling a love story. And I would recommend it to everyone. It does certainly a better job with a love story cool. than a certain film we will talk about <laughs> here in a few moments. <laughs> So before we get to that love story, yes. I'll take you to a older book called Princess and the Goblin by George MacDonald. George MacDonald was one of the authors that C.S. Lewis really appreciated. And it is, is a harder. A yep. It is a harder uh, book to read. I just finished reading it out loud to my children. And it was a little more difficult for them to follow and for me to read it in a way that was more understandable. You know how sometimes just the way someone reads something can make it more understandable. Uh, I had to really work at that with my children. And even still, we'd stop and uh, define words, things like that. But uh, it's the story of this princess who has a uh, grandmother who is up in the attic, basically, Mm -hmm. who helps her kind of get through life. Mm-hmm. and she's a princess or the girl is a princess. She's got her grandmother up in the attic. And then uh, she runs across this boy named Curdy, who's a miner's son and they are digging in the mines and the miner's son uncovers a goblin plot to steal the princess and uh, force a marriage between the humans and the goblins. So as to establish peace. And if they aren't able to do that, they're going to flood the mines and kill all the miners because they overestimate the uh, importance of miners to the world above. Uh, And so what you end up with is this beautiful tale of a young girl and a young boy who are just trying to be good people. And Mm -hmm. so it's really, it has something of a, uh, grasp on virtue mm-hmm. th- that looks concrete mm-hmm. for young people so that it, it is the kind of tale that you can take to your children and say this is the kind of person you want to be this is mm-hmm. what it means to be a princess this is what it means to be a prince and here's mm-hmm. how you live it out and it's just it's just a wonderful awesome. wonderful tale great great little book so i listened to it out loud and i would recommend an audiobook version for mm-hmm. people who want to read it because it's easier to take in that way if you've got someone else reading it to you because uh, it's kind of a little more older language mm. so it's a little, not immediately accessible or not maybe immediately palatable but it, the story is yeah. wonderful yeah so it's really good i'd recommend good. that so let's jump into beyond the mask no this is not a jim carrey movie this is <laughs> something very different than a Jim yep. Carrey movie. Very different. So, so what is Beyond the Mask? Not Tell behind the, the scenes. For <laughs> let, let me I, let me read the uh, one sentence synopsis from IMDb. There you go. A British East India trading company assassin seeks to redeem his past by thwarting a plot against a young nation's hope for freedom. That's one sentence. That sounds pretty epic. That sounds pretty epic. It does. It's telling. Here's uh, one written by Matt Smith, and maybe. The Matt Smith of Doctor Who fame. I don't know. Maybe Doctor Who has watched this this thing and written this synopsis. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. Who knows? But Matt Smith is a pretty unique name, so it's got to yeah. be him, right? It's, it's the most unique name I've ever heard. <laughs> the chief mercenary for the British East India Company, being double-crossed by his former employer, has made his way to America 
to the American colonies. Working to redeem his name, William Reynolds now hides behind a different mask in hopes of thwarting his former employer. As his past life closes in on him, Will must somehow gain the trust and help of his beloved Charlotte, a woman he has been lying to, as well as a colonial intellectual by the name of Ben Franklin. Mm-hmm. All the while, he races against time to defuse a plot <laughs> that <laughs> could have a devastating effect on the birth of a new nation. So <laughs> that synopsis is about as... <laughs> Honestly, it's, it, sounds, it sounds so much better. As a synopsis than it does when you actually watch it. So Honestly, that synopsis, I think, yeah, it tells a, a more concise... It keeps a vision better yeah. than, the, than the film actually That's executes. True. So let's, let's back out real quick. Uh, so a few episodes mm-hmm. ago, we talked about the, or wrestled with the question, what is a Christian movie? Yep. And to sum up that in one group of criteria, when mm-hmm. people refer to a Christian film, they mean one of these three things and most likely more than one. Mm-hmm. One of them is that it was made by Christians. Mm-hmm. Number two, that it deals with Christian content. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, about a church or something along those about lines. Jesus. Or it is a movie that is marketed to Christians. So it's one of those. This movie checks all of those boxes. So Mm -hmm. almost anyone will look at this movie and say that it is a Christian film. Undoubtedly. And so that's why we want to talk about this movie in particular is to try to think about uh, what does this movie do well and what does it not do well? So where are Christian movies failing and why do we think that is? Because Mm -hmm. like I pointed out back when we talked about Christian films, there is a up-and-coming new streaming production-type service Lure. called Lure that has the tagline, Christian films should, or Christian movies shouldn't suck. Mm-hmm. And they say that, and the problem is, is that it's absolutely obvious that that is true. Mm-hmm. And it's a joke that's made. It's, it's it, People malign Christian movies in much the same way that there's jokes about Hallmark movies. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, why are they like that? And what could we do to redeem them, to make them better, to really kind of get back at the heart of that kind of big fiction Christian vision of people like a C.S. Lewis or a George MacDonald or yeah. a J.R.R. Tolkien. How can we, how can we get there? And so we want to take a look at this movie as a test case of here's a movie that had a lot going for it. And that mm-hmm. Elijah and I think falls flat on its face. So we're going to jump right into this movie. If you haven't seen it, then you're going to be missing out on, uh, what exactly we're talking about. But, uh, anyway, I wouldn't worry too much about spoilers. You can listen no. through our review and then watch it, but watch it, make your own opinion. Yeah. Kinda, Think kinda, through some of these things kinda, and uh, see what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry. What, what did you say before? Yeah. So let's go, let's go ahead uh, and start with the production itself. Yes. So it is made by Christian people. The Burns, uh, who, Burns yeah. Brothers. Tell us about who made it. Yeah. So uh, the, the Burns Brothers, um, there's uh, three of them, I believe, but uh, two are primarily in the front of the house. I don't know the art director's name, but uh, Chad uh, Burns is the director, um, and his brother Aaron Burns is the primary producer of this film. Um, and uh, yeah, so they they uh, this is their second um, feature length film um, that they've set out to make. They're uh, they haven't. I don't believe they've gone to film school uh, for for these things necessarily. Maybe they did. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm I'm not, not going to sure speak to that, that authoritatively. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. They either. might have. Um, anyway, uh, so they set out to make this film, um, and uh, they wanted to make a film uh, with the vision of uh, bringing people to Christ. Uh, it seems that's their that's their vision. They wa- they wanted to make a film that was undoubtedly 
a Christian film, uh, but also check the boxes of being a fun family action film. Um, Something in the vein, and I think if you look at the back of the DVD, it says um, it's on the same playing field as, uh, what did it say, as Zorro. Um, something in right. that vein. Yeah, it's trying to, and you can kind Zorro of self-consciously see those references. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of visual plays on that and mm-hmm. story plays on those things. Um, but the production, uh, they were they grew up as uh, homeschoolers, um, and uh, that that plays largely into the community that came together to make this film. Uh, the actors are a lot of them are professional actors, but the behind the scenes, just like with the art director, their brother. Um, they made all of these, uh, these dresses and all these sets through the power of, of the homeschooling community primarily, um, and the Christian community, um, in terms of making these sets, they've made so many sets, spent so many hours on them, making all these dresses by hand. This yeah, is and really, to start this off, is, like yeah. when we say that they made these dresses by hand, I think sometimes we can think that that means they're campy. Yeah. But the costuming in this film so is quality. is stunning. It's I think really it's good. A, it's definitely on par. It's uh, this is the one area that I think that they are on par with Hollywood. I think that they that they made some very good sets and they made some their CGI not the greatest. Um, but that's, but it fits within their budget range. It like it, it looks, yeah. it looks, looks like, good for the budget. Yeah. It looks like a solid yeah. visual effects work that yeah. doesn't, it doesn't blow you out of the water, No, but it definitely fits. It's, it's yeah. not the kind of thing you're that able looks to see like, past it into the yeah, story. Yeah. you're not like, Oh, that's looks terrible the whole time. But, yeah. but you, you notice it's there sometimes compared to like watching billions of dollar movie. Right. Um, but yeah, they do a really great job of that. And with the costuming, it's all, I think the strongest suit. One of the big things about production that you need to know about is that uh, they brought in a group uh, or council uh, uh, or board to watch them as they made this film to make sure that they were on track and that they were on vision with uh, making a Christian film and making it what they wanted it to be, um, which was to to reach uh, people with the gospel. Um, and so I assume, I mean, I don't know how much more you know about that, but are they looking then to make sure the content is not bad and that there's a Christian message? Is that kind of then the yes. what the oversight is so looking for? That's that's the oversight. The oversight was to make sure that they didn't make any, like they they were, they didn't give in any temptation to, to do anything that was, that would compromise uh, something in the gospel or yeah, with content or with uh, the the giving of the gospel, which there is a scene in the movie where they actually do give the gospel. Um, and a part of that board was uh, one of the Kendricks brothers, which are the guys who made Courageous um, and uh, Fireproof and all of those other other films. They were on set with them all the time. The guy who wrote the movie was uh, the creator of Adventures in Odyssey. Um, and also uh, one of the guys on the board was uh, Dr. Del Tackett. Um, uh, people would know him from The Truth Project. Um, and he's a, a larger figure in the Christian community in America. So yeah, so they, they kept, they put all these things in place and it has all these things going for it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's got like a million dollar budget. So it's yeah. got, it's got some, that's not a huge budget in movie terms, but it's mm-hmm. got some serious money behind it that, uh, it's got a lot going for it. Mm-hmm. But yet in the end, when you watch the story, it just doesn't work. Nope. And so I want to jump into like, why does this movie not work? What is it about the story that falls flat on its face? And I want to illustrate, or I guess we'll start at the very beginning of the movie and then we can run wherever you would think would be yeah. helpful in this movie to go to, mm-hmm. uh, to illustrate this kind of thing. 
But in the beginning of the movie, uh, it opens up with, with, number one, it opens up with a narration Mm -hmm. that is uh, very exposition heavy. And maybe to back out, let's define what it means to have exposition in a film. So Mm -hmm. in any kind of story, you have to relay information about the characters, about the plot, about the world, about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so that information has to come across some way. Now, in a visual medium like cinema, you can do it the, a bunch of different ways. there's a bunch of different ways that you can communicate certain ideas, and and I mean, really, there th- th- that's a very, in some ways an unlimited range of ways you can yeah. do it. One of the easiest and most obvious ways is just to tell someone, you know, mm-hmm. like what year is it? The year is 1776, right? If I say that, then they're going to know what year it is mm-hmm. without missing it. I could though uh, just hint at the year by you know showing things that people know happened in 1776 right mm-hmm. like show the signing uh, or the declaration of independence mm-hmm. something along those lines you could yeah. do the, that kind of thing to demonstrate this is the year that it's in somebody reading a newspaper yeah so even, i mean you even, could, to yeah, yeah, you even, even to that even to that even written, that but, yeah, it, yeah. But, but it's still yeah you could do these things that indicate what time it is what mm-hmm. what year it is uh, and so there's different ways to go about that and when you if the whole movie was made up of that then mm-hmm. basically what you end up having is the IMDb's summary of mm-hmm. the plot, yeah. not an actual film that you're watching and you're getting to see yeah. the stuff happen. It turns into a book. Yeah, it just turns into a book. And it's not as good as a book because a book is written in a way that you all of that information is communicated in a in – a, but even in books, it's not – the exposition has to be handled well. Yeah. Right? You learn about a character through what they do. And I think that's maybe – Mm-hmm. item number one is that you learn about people by the choices that they make real world mm-hmm. what do they do what do they say yeah and so the movie opens with a narration and the narration is about to the back ECB out trading yeah, company. kind of setting the stage and you see will as the assassin in india i guess uh taking trying to steal documents that implicate his employer as being a part of a bunch of criminal activity that was happening in India. Mm-hmm. And so he's killing these guys on the ship, getting on board the ship, stealing the documents, right? Yeah. And so this is our first introduction to Will the Assassin. Mm-hmm. And a whole a whole part of what's coming is his redemption from his terrible, wicked past. Mm-hmm. Yet, what do we see when we see him attack the ship? We see him shoot with this gun that very possibly is ambiguous as to whether or not it's a bullet rifle or whether it's like an air rifle that's shooting tranquilizer darts. You don't yeah. know. Like the guys don't die mm-hmm. or you don't, you, you see them fall, but you don't, mm-hmm. it could be a dart gun. It's not. Yeah. The gun isn't obviously like blowing huge amounts of gunpowder where, you know, you just know they're, they're dead. And then they sneak on. There's no problem. There's no conflict. There's no problem he has to solve. All you see is him in the ship get grab the paper judo, judo a couple guys and yeah and then get out and, and the, yeah. well does he even judo anyone in the beginning no, no, actually no i think he just, he just sneaks, sneaks on he's on like he's like going all splinter back. cell and you know like yeah. just sneaking in mm-hmm. and then they are gone and that's all we get to see of will in his past and then he shows up at his boss's house which a very key element of this movie that we have not mentioned yet is that john rice davis mm-hmm. is gimli himself gimli himself shows up in this movie he doesn't have a sweet axe, nor a sweet beard. He has a terrible wig. He has a terrible wig, which all wigs back then yeah, I, I mean, think were pretty it's, terrible. It's, it's, it's part of the yeah, yeah. yeah. It's part of the uh, costume. 
And uh, he is the infamous Charles Kemp in this movie, the mm-hmm. guy who is in charge or a leader in the East India Company mm-hmm. and who's committed all these terrible crimes. Yeah. And uh, so Will goes into his employer and presents these papers to him. Now, Will is trying to play the part of a gentleman because he's kind of trying to get out of his line of work. Mm-hmm. We're not told why. John we are Wick just told. Style. Yeah, right. He's, he wants he's, out of the game. He wants out of the game. And uh, so he turns in his tokens. <laughs> yeah, go watch John Wick. That would be a more fun movie to watch than this one. But he he goes he goes in and he talks to the employer. Mm-hmm. He wants to get out. The employer mm-hmm. doesn't want him to get out. He wants him to stay in. And he has to make a decision as to whether or not he's going to. Mm-hmm. And he says, no, basically I'm out. Mm-hmm. You still owe me money. And I've done everything perfectly for you. I've been a good boy. Mm-hmm. And why won't you give me my money? And why won't you let me go? And so he goes to leave. And they blow up his carriage. They mm-hmm. set this bomb underneath it, which inexplicably is blowing out tons of sparks when they get on the road, but not before. And I'm not exactly sure. I, I'm not. Ex- let's it's not a time think, bomb. Let's not think too much about the uh, mechanics of how that works. But anyway, mm-hmm. he there's so a big part of the plot is that he there's this uh, preacher who's on his horse that sees the sparks vicar. underneath the carriage mm-hmm. and this vicar rides up and is warning them. Uh, Another interesting oddity about the plot is that there's also a guy in the carriage who's been tasked to shoot him. Mm-hmm. And apparently the guy on the top of the coach also knows and attempts to kill him. Mm-hmm. All while there's a bomb that's about to blow up the whole carriage. So including I, them. Including them. So, so don't stop thinking about this plot here. Just just let it, <laughs> just let it let happen. Let it marinate. Yeah. <laughs> so then, anyway, so Will escapes and the vicar dies. Mm-hmm. And he takes the vicar's place and on we go. Yeah. But... Uh, if redemption is going to factor in in a huge way later in the film, mm-hmm. we actually don't see much. We, we don't see Will making decisions that are bad. Mm-hmm. We actually see him as I've been obedient and submissive to everything you've wanted me to do, boss. Right. So mm-hmm. he's got he's been a good employee. Uh, he's trying to be a gentleman. He wants to. Re, he he already is kind of re, repentant. If mm-hmm. like he, he's already repentant. Kind of like in one I've sense. done so many terrible things. Like he recognizes that they're not good things that he's doing. Yeah, but but we never get to see him do any bad yeah. things. We don't get to see him like even when he one flashback later yeah. in the film, but but it's kind of a mess where it's just a big morass of fighting and something going on and you're not sure what's happening and you don't see Will like ter- you know, killing a child or you, you know, you don't see yeah. you don't see the kind of bad assassin he used to be. It's all just assumed that you're going to believe it because we said it was so. And that's the kind of thing that then because all of this happens such rapid fire style, right? You've mm-hmm. got Will, you see him on a boat, you don't see him overcome conflict, you don't have any, you don't know anything about him mm-hmm. other than you just saw him on a boat. And so you have no connection to the character. There's no sympathy, there's no, he doesn't have humor, he, you, you, he's not the conflicted soul that you just saw kill all three guys. All he did guys. was do something cool. Yeah. And honestly, like when you're watching, you're like, oh, that's so cool. Like he just like took yeah. those guys out and he's like called the shot and he's like, <laughs> Yeah, he, just, guys, he just did some uh, American sniper, thing, and then jumps off the boat. He's 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 a cool character, and you're like, so, but you know nothing about him. Yeah, there's no reason to care about him yet, mm-hmm. and then, or not like him. Yeah, and then he shows up, and he says, "I want my I want my money." And another thing is like, if he was that bad, and he has something that his boss wants, right? If he's a scoundrel who's just out there to get money by killing people. And his boss wants this stack of papers. 
Like, why wouldn't he just hang on to the sack of papers and say, not till you give me my money, bro, you know, like, forget mm-hmm. that. Like, that's that's more the character of the type of, like, scoundrel that he is, mm-hmm. that he would be acting. But instead, he's like this nice little, uh, his shoelaces are tied. He's got every T crossed and every I dotted. Mm-hmm. And he turns in the papers, and they still don't, you know, mm-hmm. they still don't honor him at yeah. all. Because, of course, there's no honor among thieves, and so off they go. Mm-hmm. Well... By the time he there's a threat on his life, I actually don't care that there's a threat on his life. Like I wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me at all that that carriage blew up and that he was dead. And now the story is about this vicar who couldn't save an assassin, right? Like I, I mm-hmm. would be, it would be just as fine for me to go forward with that kind of story as it would be for me to continue with the story that they actually made. Mm-hmm. And that's that's I guess some of like a good illustration of what I mean. But there's so much of that that happens in the movie that assumes that because we said this, mm-hmm. that you're gonna feel it. That because mm-hmm. we said he was an assassin, you're going to think he was bad. Yeah. And so when the redemption comes, well, then the redemption is going to be really deep because, man, he's turning away from this dark past. Right. Yeah. But I, I, I have no reason to think he had a dark past. Everything he's doing is good. I think. Like, yeah. Even when he shows up in the church in the way he treats uh, Charlotte, his love interest that mm-hmm. turns out because just to carry the plot forward, I don't think this was necessarily mentioned mm-hmm. uh, in the summaries we read. Yeah. But he serves as his vicar. He ends up showing up in the community where the vicar was headed. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they were expecting a new vicar. And here he is. And he's not a trained preacher no. at all. I think that's, that's the best the best scene in the entire entire movie was I, when he tries to preach. And, and it's I think it's actually cut better than really anything else in the film yeah that's and true it's, it's framed the best and it, get, it makes you feel like oh man this is really embarrassing like that that's that's it but it doesn't do that anywhere else it just stops yeah because you, you feel it you feel like oh this is like this is hardcore but the parts when it's like you need to feel this you don't you don't feel right. it because it's more than just telling you oh somebody's dying you need to feel this like and watching him cry like there's more to getting you to that point. There's more work, right? In terms of editing and music and and cinematography to get you to that point where you really do care when somebody dies. Like there's a lead up. There's work. Yeah. There's there's magic that you're doing. Yep. But there's none of that. So when his when his servant or assistant whatever dies, you don't. You, yeah, it doesn't hit you at all. It doesn't really. It doesn't. You don't feel anything. Like you don't see any moments beforehand where where they're like hanging out. Or when he's helping him. Right, you see one conversation that they had together about the East India Company, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And then they have this theological conversation, and he dies. And the theological like how, what, conversation how did he, how did he, was so... It's, it's ham-fisted so that, perfect. Like, yeah. Like, right. they, he says exactly the right things, like, theologically. Right. It feels, it feels like, hey, here's where he would say something theological. And so let's make sure that we get it all right instead of actually being human and how mm-hmm. would he actually communicate this? And mm-hmm. would he, the, is there any kind of past? Are these characters, do they, are they real characters? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's maybe the weakness of the whole film is I the think characters it could have been themselves. really cool if they would have just kept him alive and yeah, he just continued right. to talk into his life and they would have built that relationship yep. to where that would mean something. Like you would feel like it meant something to you because you grew attached to this character, yep. but just immediately like they kill him. And same thing for Charlotte. It's the same reason why their romance doesn't really play is because, all you see is a Kung Fu montage or not Kung Fu, just a montage. Yeah. Like yeah. that, like that, that doesn't, that doesn't give you like, Oh, well she, she really appreciates him. Right. You we'll, see them, you see him writing or the narration is a letter that he had written to Charlotte apparently. Mm-hmm. And he's writing it 
or so you're hearing him talk about how those months were the best months he's ever had. And you see a montage of them walking together and that's all that happens. You don't actually get to see him and her interacting. You mm-hmm. don't get to see them having dinner together and get a conversation and see how the conversation interplays and the kind of flirtations that he might do to try to win her heart or, you yeah, know, like you, you don't see that. Yeah. And so since you don't see it, you don't actually believe it. I mean, mm-hmm. you, if you're willing to suspend your disbelief and just buy what they have to say and say, yep, that, sure, I'm gonna. I'm here for the ride, and I'm going to believe what you say is there. Yeah. But it. But it refuses to. But that's that's a refusal to accept life as it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it, it begins. You're you're really. If you're really a bad character and you have really no morals and you're killing people all the time, I have very little belief that you'll like start doing things the right way and not at any point be tempted to do something right. Not couth. Like yeah. To do something that's like. Not not like a vicar, like it, right. especially when you're in that emotional fa- phase, because like it 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 chooses to depict a particular romance um, that involves uh, courtship and involves and involves this this kind of relationship that requires requires uh, another person giving consent and all, all these things. It chooses to to frame this, but it also doesn't show the trials and tribulations that come from that kind of relationship. Yeah, right. It doesn't show the pitfalls. That that come because it's not a perfect kind of like every no way of and even if it did show the pitfalls, why would he bear with the pitfalls? Because he has no principles behind it. Well, I think I think even yeah, he has no principles behind it, and so you could show that, like even just show him mess up or or try to advance something and show and that would show the virtue of Charlotte or maybe some humanity in Charlotte and the fact that she wants that. Yeah, exactly. Because like the whole time it kind of just seems like she's just leading him on the whole yeah, time. Like yeah, right. in some weird, in this weird way of like, of like not, obviously she's not what, like they don't want her to give into, into him at all. And she's, she's this, this person. But I think right. you can summarize her relationship with him with the fact that when she just jumps off the boat and she just says, save me. And she just jumps off the boat. It's like a constant, like, uh, like forced proving that that he has to do and there and which is which is fine and he and he does it but yeah except I, I don't yeah it's it, it just feels flat to me because there's not really again we're not shown it like mm-hmm. i could believe that that would happen but i need to be shown it but the moment that you start showing it, and this is this is where i think the problems come mm-hmm. or where, where i start to feel it more is like the moment that i say okay wait a second like i don't think you're showing me enough if you, mm-hmm. you need to show me something mm-hmm. and once I start thinking about what I would like them to show me, suddenly what they are telling me starts to not make any sense because I'm like, wait a second, she wouldn't actually go for him and he wouldn't actually pursue her this way. You know, he would be just straight up after her and mm-hmm. who cares about respecting your, you know, your wishes and all this, like what reason does he have to? Yeah. And it, like, cause I think that that could play. If it would be show, really if fun you, if you show him. Well, also like the way that they try to go with it, there's things missing. Like, like you're saying, where, where is that point where he decides to make that conscious effort to pursue her the way he is? Right. Yeah. Like, where is the moment where he comes into con? Like, even if you're to do it with scripture, like to just have him sitting there and be like, this is a reason, but instead we're left yeah. with no reason at all. I don't think that's a great reason, a great yeah. way to do it. But I think that there's, like, I would, I would love to see the scenes. And like mm-hmm. this is what I would love to see is the is the him as the vicar mm-hmm. where he is in the pulpit mm-hmm. reading a sermon because all of it is going to be pre written stuff mm-hmm. that he's finding so he's reading out a sermon and it says something about uh, justice or like turning the other cheek mm-hmm. and he's like 
live in front of them changing it because he's like, no, you, you know, you go after him. You, if they punch yeah. you in the nose, you exactly. punch him in the throat, you know, yeah. <laughs> like that, that's, exactly. that he, that he is as a preacher bending the, yeah. the word to match his lifestyle yeah. because he doesn't want to live that or kind even of just showing, showing like, if you, if you really want to go with like, like the vision that they had, I think that even their vision wasn't executed correctly. Cause if they really wanted to show that, like show him interact with it and twisting it, but also show him reading it for the first time. And if he is really truly having that repentant heart, like that could be comical in and of itself of just like of him going, Oh, right. Just, yeah. Just it, like, like coming, coming. And that would be a good way out, to go. Yeah. Okay. Well now he's learning about like certain moral like things that he's, he's, his, his, his he's being pricked about right. something, but you never see the pricking. You just yeah. see, I'm after this lady and when yeah, you're and I'm when going you're, to earn her when that's, when that's your trust, motivation yeah. and there's nothing guiding it behind it. Like, yeah, it's that, just that false goes flat characters. It's just yeah. super one dimensional characters who yeah. are just following the plot instead of the plot following them. Mm-hmm. Cause plot, like we talked or I mentioned a book by Kim, Ryan, Kim Wyland in the, in one of the first KM Wyland in yeah, one of yeah. the first episodes that uh, talks about building character arcs and that the story flows out of the arc the the desires and the motivations of the character Mm -hmm. and i think that this is the kind of thing that there is this plot that's been constructed up above right that says here's how the story is going to go it's going to go from here to here to here to here to here Mm -hmm. and it's all sorts of interesting places that the story wants to go Mm -hmm. but that in the end the characters they have don't actually go there and so they have to constantly just kind of bend the characters to do what they want Mm -hmm. so that you've got this uh, a hyper Calvinist story where the characters in the story have no freedom and yeah. then they're just like not acting on their own accord. It's just kind of like they're puppets with strings and that's mm-hmm. all, that's all you've got. You don't feel like they're living and breathing. And people. like they're making choices. Like, yeah, they're like I'm, I'm going to do this. Like, and, and that comes with like the state. And they're not and presented that, with dilemmas. That's interesting. Like that, thinking about choices. That's the thing that, that, yeah, that's what, like if I were to redo the movie, I would add teeth to it. Like, cool you got the vision you want this to be a truly christian film show what christians actually deal with like i think they try to do that with him but like with with everybody around them they're also like like especially charlotte she's just very like one dimensional when like there's times that he does try to go three dimensional but charlotte's so one dimensional that it doesn't it doesn't play yeah and so like i think if you add teeth to it and you add like struggles that they have like if you want to present that like i said that that type of, of romance and that type of relationship show the trials of that relationship, right? Show yeah. what they, what they're dealing with. If you want to present a, an assassin, somebody with a, a horrible past, come on, like talk with your congregation. I'm sure you'll find somebody that maybe wasn't raised in, in a Christian church and you don't even have to go that far. You can yeah. look in even of yourself and know what a horrible person can right. look like. Yeah. Like you don't need to present it as like it. They present him as cool and not. Yeah, exactly. Cool. There's actually nothing to redeem. I think that's yeah. so to go to, let's just jump to the, to mm-hmm. the redemption yeah. side of the plot because in the movie, they try to make this guy come to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And number one, I would say that they don't, they actually don't present the name of Jesus at all. Do they, they talk about the name. There's no, only one they, name, but did they actually, he, he says in my, in my savior, Jesus Christ. I think he says that oh, on okay, the boat. Okay. Like he says, like I've trusted in, Okay. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ is my one so it, savior. So, so it's very, it's very uh, light though on the theology, mm-hmm. like in terms of the actual presentation of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And it is, and because, so you've got this story arc of this character who he's this bad guy, right? Like he's an assassin. He wants to earn redemption by doing things, mm-hmm. but you can't earn redemption by doing things. What has to happen is you have to find justification in Jesus Christ, right? That's true. 
That's mm-hmm. right. That is the gospel. We are yeah. all sinners who cannot work to save ourselves. We have to find our salvation in the work that Jesus did for us on our behalf. Mm-hmm. And when you recognize that and you humble yourself and accept that, that is what it means to be a Christian, to, to believe the Christian faith. Yeah. And so, so like, yes, that is the gospel. But in the context of the story, you've got a guy who has never been bad, who has mm-hmm. all along been very virtuous with Charlotte. Mm-hmm. He has not been super violent or un- like unethical, even in the beginning. You don't know who's giving him commands, and you don't know that those commands are evil. Like, you know, like he's just this guy on a mm-hmm. boat who's who they say he's bad, but they're not showing him doing anything that you would morally object to. Yeah, there's just one part when he's like whipping a person. That's it, and that and that's the and, end. Yeah, right. And it's like, a dream that he has, and that's even later. Right? Yeah. So, so I mean, you've got you just don't have him being bad, and you don't see him growing either from the get go. He's repentant of his lifestyle and wants to get out. And when he's with Charlotte, he wants to earn her favor and be an honorable man, mm-hmm. right? Like, so all along, he's just wanting to do the, do the right thing. He wants to avenge the vicar for having died, right? He, mm-hmm. he, everything he does is Defend good, people, yeah. right? Like, he's, he's being a good person. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to the redemption, the question is, why does he need the redemption? And, and, and that's not a theological question. I'm asking mm-hmm. that as a story question. Mm-hmm. I understand the theology. Of yeah. It. But because even the best of people need redemption. But you're trying to paint him as an assassin. Even that uh, synopsis we read, an assassin mm-hmm. seeks redemption. Yeah. But what is he trying to be redeemed from? You know, like you yeah. haven't shown us. So it doesn't actually hit me that he's changed at all because he actually hasn't changed at all. Mm-hmm. And his conversion, what what impact does that have on the story? It doesn't. It doesn't change how, how he would have handled the situation at all. The only thing it does is it checks a box for her to move forward in the relationship. That's the only thing that that accomplishes. That's that, interesting. That yeah. allows her to be more comfortable with him. That's the only thing that that, that him coming to know the Lord changed things. Yeah. Um, That's fascinating. I, I think he would have. I think he would have. With the way things were trending, he would have revealed who he was. He would have done all that stuff. Right. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And obviously, that's not their intent. That wasn't. That they wouldn't give that reasoning, I think. The, no, no, the, not the writers, all. but that—that's what they're. But at the in end the context of, the day, what, of what, what they created, left. right? Because yeah. you're not able to like. Jackie Chan said this yeah. in a interview that I saw in a film film essay about mm-hmm. movies. He's like, "There is the movie, and that is it." Mm-hmm. And he says, "You don't get to go around to all the theaters as it's being shown and say, oh, we had a small budget, or you know, we ran out of time, or something like that.' Yeah. You don't get to go do that. All that people see is the movie. So make sure the movie is good mm-hmm. because." that's it's only that's the only thing that exists yeah and i think this is one of those situations where i can give them that they were trying to do something really good mm-hmm. and i applaud what they were aiming for mm-hmm. but they didn't hit it what they created is not that thing and instead che- cheapens the very thing they were trying to create that by trying to create a, a digital gospel tract they made the whole thing cheap and they made the gospel mm-hmm. cheap where the gospel is this thing that you tag onto your life. And it's, it's only already good for pretty virtuous cool. people. Yeah, yeah, right. It's not good That's for true. for the person who's vile and corrupt. Like I, I just want to point point like to a good example of this being done. Les Mis, If you haven't seen Les Mis, it's a great mm-hmm. movie. Just obviously read a review before you watch it. But re, it's it's so well done. Jean Valjean, thief. You see him as a thief. You see, even though he's he's kind of forced into it, you still see his his volition and that animal like sin nature that he has and he's just just eating things and he's he's running around stealing he's been hurt 
all these reasons for why he does it, but it's still a sin. And he's really bad. He meets a priest and he steals from the priest and the police officers bring him back. And the priest says, Oh no, I gave him all of these things. And here's more things. And he shows him Christ and that action. And, and he's, and he's really, really confused about it. And then he brings him in. He's like, I didn't do that for you. I did that for Christ. And he's like, who is this God? Who is this Christ that you wouldn't turn me in and I would be back in prison. And like, that's the moment that you're missing in this movie. Right. Because there's real, it cost the priest something. Yeah, it did. It cost, it, grace was costly. Yeah. And it, it, had and it some, shows, yeah. it shows the nature of the gospel, which shatters the world that you live in. Yeah. Like right. it, Augustine says that he called out into my darkness and he shattered it. Like, and I would have loved to see in some ways, like I would love to see the assassin movie where the assassin comes to Jesus because of someone demonstrating grace to the assassin. Yeah. Assassins are more than snipers. Assassins are people who get in there, who know you, who are friendly, who betray trust, and and then they, they end up stabbing you in the back, and yeah. then just leaving as if it were nothing. Like, how broken is that? Yeah, what what what, in, what in else of has itself? to be broken in your ethics and in your morals yeah. to be able to do that? Thing? Redeem, and then you have to redeem an entire life of doing that. Like, imagine, imagine, oh, man. imagine weight, redeeming right. that and the weight of all of these. And men they tried that to show killed. that with the flashbacks, as if he's got this burden on him. It's just, I just don't believe it, right? Like that from the film, I'm given no reason yeah. to believe that that actually is a real weight. Yeah, and and then we get to the. I mean, that's just. So we've talked about the romance. We've talked about the conversion. Mm-hmm. There is so much else in this movie that is going on. Uh, we've got Ben Franklin, and he is the most one-dimensional character in the world. He's, he's like, just a quote dispenser. He's he's there to say things that sound that Ben Franklin actually said. Yeah, right, right, right. Like, what kind of quotes can I give at the weirdest of times? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, and the script, you know, it's like Ben Franklin is sitting there checking a script on screen. Oh, okay. Hang on. Let me say this. Freedom and security. Or liberty and security. Yeah. And so, so it's just, uh, and, and so the plot goes into, into weird directions and it doesn't, th- there's this plot against the Continental Congress. They're going to blow up a whole part of Philadelphia and which is cool. Like, I love the idea of the end. I love that kind of mm-hmm. historical fiction. I think that would, it's so I, cool. I would love that done. So well. many people have done it. Like, but then you, but then you combine this and this plot against the king or, or against the colonies, uh, with uh, this kind of storytelling that doesn't let it unfold. Mm-hmm. And so instead, we're told up front. What, so we, the audience, know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But it's not like. But then the players, the uh, the people, start to catch up, and there's none of that tension. So so Alfred Hitchcock famously talked about uh, putting a time bomb under mm-hmm. a conversation you can have a dinner conversation mm-hmm. and that conversation is as boring as anything else. But you put a time bomb under there, show the audience that there's a time bomb under that table. Don't tell anyone at the table. And now you have a movie and people will hang on every word that said at the dinner table, because the next one might be the word that someone says that brings attention to the fact that there's a bomb mm-hmm. or maybe it won't. And at the time bomb keeps ticking and mm-hmm. that keeps our attention, that, that tension and that conflict. Yeah. And so we've got the potential for the time bomb. Here. Literally we, literally, time bombs. we literally have a time bomb, <laughs> yeah. but there is no tension because we, we know that there's a time bomb and then they know that there's a time bomb and that's all there is. There's like, if there were stuff happening up above where Will is trying to fight off some bad dudes. If you go back to Skyfall, like the whole time and you know that somebody's going after M, but M like, like, you know yes, that this whole thing's right. going on and Bond's trying to stop it, but she's still having the speech and you know he's getting closer and closer 
and closer and closer. And Bond's trying to race, yeah. you know, like the tension that can she, be there. She hasn't answered her phone, and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is getting crazy. Yeah. Like, but there's none of that at the biggest set piece of the entire movie. And the only thing you're thinking is this is cool, right? Like, mm-hmm. it looks cool. It's supposed to be cool. Your brain is, I guess, if you've watched enough movies or few enough movies, you, you're thinking that this is cool uh, and that this is supposed to be tense, but it just doesn't. It doesn't register on that in that way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually play to that kind of tension at all. Also, the bad guy is not very evil. No, the, yeah. the, the the most evil thing he does is he he, is he backhands his niece. Yeah, did, did you see that but, part yeah, of the yeah. movie? Yes, it yes. was quite comical. He I, like, I, I, re- like I rewind. It. Isn't it like no, an no. elbow? Was a, oh yeah, it was an elbow. Like a boom. It was like a boom. He was like blah 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 boom and throws it's, his it's, elbow back into. It's her kind face. of like a Three Stooges moment of yeah. You know, like <laughs> there's no like sound yeah. effects. She's just like. Ugh. Passes <laughs> she's out. down on the ground yeah and that's what sets him off to cut you know sets will uh, off to come and save her which any man saved or unsaved would do what he did yeah exactly and so it's just it's 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 just this and i i will admit that i wish i wish that final set piece had been done well because the piece itself like the setting the yeah. idea of this uh electricity power generator under the water they under put this so windmill. much thought into it like, like it they're is actual so... inventions that that thomas edison actually yeah not thomas edison but uh, ben franklin actually yeah. had like they were it's like so cool yeah it's just it, emotionally the movie doesn't actually climax there it's 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 already as good as done you know like ben franklin's diffusing the bombs right like like there's no the stakes are not present the only stakes you have are will and his uh girlfriend charlotte his soon-to-be wife it seems and you just don't care about them that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so if you've got all of that together and then it doesn't work. So you've got pe- – so the, in the end, we are Christians. We are people who should understand the nature of the world, the way that human behavior works, the way that our sin drives us and motivates us, and the way that it plays tricks with us. Uh, you know, like we should be people who understand that better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yet if we do movies that don't say something – true about the nature of human character Mm -hmm. that don't actually demonstrate the gospel of redemption in real ways yeah then all we are doing is presenting a cheap parlor trick that says hey here's the gospel you know basically this is a this is a fancy this is a million dollar chick track do you know what a chick track is by the way no okay so a chick track jack trick jack chick made these little comic book tracks mm-hmm. that were, you know, I don't know how many. They were, they were small. Oh, you know, I know like what you're three, talking about. Yep. Three by four inches maybe. I see them at like bank uh, ATMs all the time. Yeah, and they, yeah. They, they open up and they have a random little cartoon. And they're really, they're, well, they're what I just described as far as Beyond the Mask, that they are a cheap presentation of the gospel that cheapens it. it, it it's the true gospel. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that it's a false gospel, but the packaging makes the gospel look cheap, which the gospel is nothing mm-hmm. cheap. The gospel is... It's the the undergirding reality of everything we know, right? Yeah. Like, and, and yet, by trying to make this kind of gospel tract, all we end up doing is just cheapening the gospel. Yeah, and and I I would just add primarily like just it falls into that foible of of Christian marketed movies and the fact that this movie and their their goal was to make a movie that is gospel focused and about saving people. Who is it made for? Again, yeah, right. It's made, exactly. It's made for Christians. The only people who are going to enjoy this are Christians, and even at that, a very specific set of Christians. Yep. Like this would not play globally. This would not play to a global audience. No. This would not play even, I think, hyper nationally yeah. and, and cross denominations. I would say the only reason this movie got distribution like it did is because here's how distributors work. 
right? Like, exactly. They are not thinking about the messaging. They're not thinking about these other things. What they're looking at is a dollar amount and how many butts can we put in the seats? Yeah. And so when it comes to, but you know, on the front of a, a DVD and throw it in Walmart. Yep. And, and the movie has enough of that appeal because it's got great costumes. It's got great sets. Mm-hmm. It's a period of American history that people are interested in. Yeah. So you get history buffs. You get people who are interested in the American Revolution. Fantasy buffs. Yeah, fantasy buffs. Like So all these kinds of cross-sections. And then you add Gimli into it. And mm-hmm. he's like the perfect fit for that. That then it gets people to watch. And when a distributor looks at it and they say, whoa, you've got Gimli in it. We know that Gimli is worth you know, let's say 10,000 eyeballs. I don't, I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know how they would calculate it, but that's yeah. kind of what they're thinking is how yeah. many eyeballs will want to come to this just because of Gimli. And we'll just put it on Amazon prime for free. And then that means 10,000 clicks. Yeah. And we know that 10,000 clicks means this many dollars mm-hmm. and that'll recoup our costs. So yeah, here, we're going to pay you filmmakers this money to put it on our platform mm-hmm. because we know that if we put that on our platform, it's going to equal this number of dollars. They don't care about the messaging. They don't care about the quality of the thing. Mm-hmm. Most people, and I think there's some distributors that are better, mm-hmm. but th- what they're after is getting the money. And right. so Gimli is a, Gimli is a dollar amount. And that's mm-hmm. why I think it's gotten such a wide, that's why it's on Amazon prime right now is because people see that it can make money because of the people that are involved in it. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. I'm, I'm all for filmmakers yeah. making money on this. I hope they made their money. Yeah, they did a I lot agree. of good work. Mm-hmm. They, they deserve, put into it, they deserve sure. the money that they're making from yeah. this thing. But, we can't say that just because something made was a financial success means it was actually an artistic success. Mm-hmm. For sure. So I want more monies. I want more movies made like this. I want more people to invest that kind of time and energy and yeah. money into these movies. I just want movies that I also say are wonderful, you yeah. know, that are really good. Exactly. And like you just bring up, bring up the point you're making a, a fun family action film and yeah. And you want to reach a wide audience. Well, there's plenty of films that do that and do it actually, I think. Yeah. The hard part, the hard part for me. So <laughs> to close this out, when a friend of ours gave this movie to me to watch, uh, he recommended it to me. Mm-hmm. And so I put it on for my kids. I knew I needed it. I had had the DVD for too long and I needed to get it back to him. Mm-hmm. And so finally I'm like, okay, you know, we don't have anything picked to watch tonight for movie night time with books. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, we're going to watch this movie for movie night. I put it in, we started watching and, uh, I don't remember exactly where we ended it, but it was somewhere around the time the romance was kind of kicking up. And I was just like this, I can't do this. Like, this is so, this is so rough and this is so boring and my kids are not going to be invested in it. And I feel like I'm only watching this in order to, you know, have watched it. Mm-hmm. And so I said, uh, I was like, ah, kids, we're going to find something else to watch. Uh, I just can't keep watching this. And my son said, confirmed <laughs> like i never heard him use that word before yeah but, but the kids even got like that that if we're gonna watch something as a family that's fun and exciting i would rather watch pirates of the caribbean than i would watch this i would rather just watch train Zorro, your dragon right like, yeah yeah that's, yeah if that's i want a great if i want the messaging film. i can go somewhere else right yeah. like i can go somewhere else for better messaging i can go somewhere else for the yeah in the same vein of what we've talked about before about Christ figures and movies, mm-hmm. I can go to movies that I feel are actually deeply more Christian thematically that say something more important to my children than this film can say. And so, you know, it's a good film. I'm, if people enjoy it and, and they dig it, I'm all for them digging it. Yeah. It's great. 
but it's not the kind of film I want to be regularly made. Now, I will. If these people make another movie, I'll go watch it. I will definitely go see it. But Because I want to support more of this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We need more people who are putting in their widow's might, right, who are doing what they can mm-hmm. in making this kind of stuff. I want more Christians making stuff mm-hmm. just in general. Yeah, they're, but, pi- they're pioneers for yeah. Christendom. Yeah, and once we put it out there, then, uh, but it's fair game for our kind of critique. They put it out in public. Yeah. It's fair game for our critique. And yeah. uh, if we ever were to make a movie, then that movie's fair game for other yeah. people's re- critique. It's just that what I aspire to do is to make something that is deep and rich and shows the richness of the gospel mm-hmm. in more than just a quick, cheesy message. The sinner's so, prayer. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I think we have thoroughly finished talking about this one. This is one of our longest ever. Uh, episodes. <laughs> I like it. Well, this is this is what started the whole podcast for us. We we just keep talking about it. We're like, let's just get together and talk about films because yeah. it, it generated a conversation. And so. this this is what we're here for. So I, I if you are still listening to this, we are grateful that you have stuck around, and we are glad that there are other people who are interested in listening to yeah. listening to conversations like this yourself. So feed us your favorite feed Christian it. movies, and maybe we'll get around Ugh. to talking about yours. We have some great ones we have seen in our yes. lifetime that need need some attention and mm-hmm. some time. Some of them that don't deserve it. This yeah. one is one that I think does deserve it because it stands as a good test case yeah. of someone who tried to do something really big yeah. uh, and just ended up out of their depth on the terms of the you know what we've already talked about. So yeah, I would invite a conversation with the Burns brothers if we could ever get. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, if so, anybody anybody listening can make <laughs> that happen, I would love to. We just will. We would be glad spend hours talking with. We them would be glad to have filmmaking. chats with them about yeah. filmmaking. And all this stuff, and yeah. uh, Kendrick's brothers too. Yeah, any we, Christ, any Christian filmmaker, Christian like, filmmaker, will have them on guest guests on the podcast and mm-hmm. uh, bring those conversations to yeah. you, our wonderful audience. So thanks yeah. for cozying up with us uh, here in the in the farmhouse today, yes. listening to our podcast. If you do have those comments or questions, you can always send them to Josh at BartelsProductionCompany.com or find us on Facebook at Foxfire Farmhouse. We're also on Instagram. Find us there. Messages con comment and uh, all of the above we'd yeah. be glad to hear from you if you would uh consider giving the podcast a review on your podcasting platform mm-hmm. that helps us get out in front of people or at least that's what i hear podcasters say that's what i hear podcasters say that other people have said to them Leave and a five-star review it really helps out i don't know what how it helps out but i, I, I want to know it it <laughs> helps in our getting in front of people well, that's what they say, but it, but it really just helps our psychology. It makes us feel better and affirmed in what we are doing, and that's really Fragile what we're creatures. doing. We're, we're doing this for affirmation, really. That's the only thing we're here for. No. So, you know, just send <laughs> send no. your send your five-star affirmations. If you send a one-star, we're going to break and cry and We're here quit. to save you, Christendom. We're here to <laughs> save you. We have noble intentions, grand intentions. We're very self-righteous. One day we might move <laughs> beyond the mask of oh. self-righteousness. <laughs> anyway, we, we better hide behind masks. <laughs> we better quit this Would before you we just go stop. <laughs> <laughs> this has been another episode yeah. of Foxfire Farmhouse. Thank you guys. And goodbye. Bye.